Blog Talk Radio. Are y'all ready for the fire talk? Flow down on the bridge and uplift the dialogue. Oh, yeah. Listen right along. This is straight off the press. The remix fresh with no prior song. Oh. Supplying y'all with the certified thoughtful. Yeah. To give a piece to the piece, it's time to call blow. Yeah. The raspberry wind is straight and flavorful. Insatiable eardrums, taste the radio. Here can't be beat. The class you need. Better leave all your doors and all half the week. What? Positive or motivational facts. To see successful guests promote a self-mastery. Blogtalkradio.com slash the remix. Fridays at 10 p.m. Eastern. Support the system with a great reason. I must insist, don't miss it this evening, peace man. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the remix. I am your host, of course, Miss Blue, and tonight is Friday. Tonight is Friday, and it is February the 6th, 2009, and you are live in the remix. Have a very, very exciting show planned for you this evening. For those of you who know, we will have Dr. Phil Valentine and Melani Valentine joining us from the University of Commission Science. They will be here today to talk about all the projects that they've worked on and all the knowledge that they've gained throughout the years. Okay, so what I invite you to do at this time is to sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Now, before we get into the show, oh, I forgot one thing. We do need to go ahead and send out a couple of special little Earth Days out there to some very special people. And so I want to say happy Earth Day to Brother Wellbone. It is actually his Earth Day today, birthday today, however you choose to say it. And so I hope he's out there celebrating it and enjoying himself as well. And so for all of you out there listening, we're going to go ahead and get ready to get started and get into the show. Before we get into the show and we actually get our guests, I want to invite you to come on over because the chat room is open over here on Blog Talk Radio. And you know how to get there. Simply go to www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the remix. And you can come on over and join us in the chat room. See lots of people in the chat room now. I welcome you all and thank you from no matter where in the world you're listening from. I thank you for joining me here on the remix. Now tonight, our call-in number that we have, should you would like to talk to the guests this evening, that number is going to be 646-652-2711. And so we're going to listen to just a short little special treat that we have here that is actually done for us by Brother Tahuti, and this is called What We Do. And we'll get right into the show. So sit back and relax. Yeah. 
your enemy is holding you back. You see gonna speak an American dream because you're taking a nap. So watch Phil Valentine come and build on his trap. He's gonna map it out my children, yo, he gives it back. And now we wanna get the vision, but we caught up in the feeling. Contemplating that the healing is all about religion. Till the God stop be feeling, dropping knowledge in the building. You see when it comes to that, you stop and staring through the grilling. But the euro sounds appealing, our signs they came to steal it. Crept up through our village, robbed and then they pillage. You rejected and neglected cause he told you that he built it. What? With me blue, brought up the crew too. She got me tuned in, that ain't gon' change. Yo, she can rock the mic and drop it like it ain't no thing. I got food, riding shotgun, I bring up the real. It's something about the goddess blue because I'm keeping her near. She needs some backup to rack up the backups here. No need to question more than queen, cause that's so clear. So here, I pass the mic queen and do what you do. And as you drop the water drop because you bring up the truth. You're fertilizing all the dead, now they're seeing the proof that they were buried three days, not to bring them to you. Resurrect with all respect, that's through the supreme Lay all the coffins on the ground about the head to the queen Now other queens drop a sign, that's acknowledged, you know But it's your time to build up, get ready for the show Right, that was What We Do by Brother Tahuti. Very special treat for Dr. Bill Valentine. Okay, we're going to go ahead and get right into the show. La, 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 remix. Hey, this is Baby Blue. And remember, if nothing else moves you, life will. Okay. All right, everyone. Well, joining us tonight is certainly not a stranger. Um, he is a doctor as well as his wife, Nelani. She's a doctor as well. They are the founders and co-founder of the University of Commission Science, um, and that's just a short list of all the many, many contributions that they have made, not only to us as a people, but just to the world itself. And so please help me give a very, very warm remix welcome to Dr. Phil Valentine. Hotel, peace and greetings to you. Peace and greetings to you, too, Queen. Oh, thank you. It is wonderful. Do we have Dr. Nailani on the line? Yes, we have. Oh, wonderful. Okay. It is such an honor to have both of you grace us with your presence this evening. We're going to go ahead and get started because I've been getting so many questions since I've announced that you guys will be stopping by the remix. So thank you so much for taking time out of your very, very busy schedule to come by and um, just sit back and chat with us for a while. I think I will go ahead and start with you, Dr. Phil Valentine, and it's a question that I've always wanted to ask you. How did you come to be? (laughs) (laughs) You sure the show is long enough. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, it all came as a result of uh, I was actually compelled uh, due to a, um, a nagging illness that followed me from the West Indies and uh, worsened when I came to these shores. And uh, I promised myself that if I could find uh, some kind of uh, relief and achieve some kind of healing with it, that I would uh, make that, uh, make a promise to the Creator, to the ancestors, that I would also teach that. And uh, I did, and that uh, became essentially what I did. Plus, I had help because my mother was a supervisory registered nurse, and uh, I had a lot of doctors for uncles and 
things of that nature. So it it I was raised in that kind of uh, milieu, but essentially it was because of my challenge, my health challenge, that inspired me to go ahead and uh, follow through and then uh, do that as a life's calling. Right. And so that sort of inspired you, and I know you've dedicated, wow, what, over 20-plus years of your studies um, um, and, and, and just what you do. So was there a point where you really felt like, or I guess the point I want to ask you is, when did you know that this is what you would be doing? Because so many times I think we start out on a path, and, and like you said, yours was led by an illness that you had. But then there was, was there something else that really sort of brought you into the enlightenment that you knew that this is what you were going to be doing? That's interesting. Uh, yes, there was a time when I, after doing my convalescing, after following all of the books that I had read, and read the copious amounts of uh, literature on the subject, uh, especially on metaphysics as well as in healing. And uh, during that time, I'd like to give all praises due to my parents who allowed me to come back home uh, to uh, our house and to stay there to do my convalescing, to practice and to rehearse on myself, to experiment on myself. And during those times, uh, I would read and study, and then uh, I was uh, to bed when the dark and then was up with the dawn. And I would go out on the stoop and watch everybody go off to work with all my books sitting on the stoop and talk to my neighbors. And as I was talking to them, as they were going by, they would tell me how they were feeling, and I'd tell them, well, try this. And uh, some of them would have a little ache or pain or they would be going through this or a family member would be having problems. I would tell them to do this, do this. And they'd tell me again that, yes, that works. Thank you for helping. So I began to say, I began to actually fulfill what my promise was. Uh, Just kind of, it was almost a segue. And then things began to support me, especially in my studies in metaphysics. Uh, elders began just giving me books. My first year into a uh, search, uh, I was—I never—I didn't buy a book. I was given all my books, mm. and I give to Brother Tanya uh, from the Tree of Life, who uh, had a store on the corner of 125th Street and Lenox Avenue. We call it the University at the corner of Lenox Avenue or UCLA, and in, uh, in Harlem. And uh, I stayed most of my days there, and most of my nights I studied from the books that I bought and uh, borrowed from there. And uh, I kind of grew into it. And then from there, I went off, I went forward, and uh, met with someone. Uh, her name was Queen Afua, who became my second wife, and uh, built something called Heal Thyself, and uh, created and started and uh, co-created and started something called the, Heal, uh, the Sacred Woman, and... Uh, you know, just began expanding the principle itself. And then um, uh, from that point, uh, began to grow and to blossom out and then finally met my uh, my, my other half, my, uh, my uh, what they call it, soulmate, traveling all these millions of years. And finally we met one another again, and that was Dr. Nalani, and uh, here we are. I guess I've gone, I've kind of capsulized everything, didn't I? <laughs> beautiful. What a beautiful... Uh, story. So, you're in, when you started out in the holistic area, that's where you started, and then metaphysics came into play. 
Why do you think it's important for us as people to really focus on these two components, and how do they work together? Should we really um, invest our knowledge into both? Yes. Uh, well, one cannot work without the other. It's almost as mm. if uh, they they must be, be learned together, because if you want to study health on the levels that we teach it, specifically when we deal with uh, something called hygienic sciences, which is the actually the, the more advanced or the most advanced form of the naturopathic healing sciences. Uh, it deals specifically with no poisoning. It's, it, there is a, a process that is followed by many of the disciplines, including the ones of what they call naturopathic health. It's, we call it poisonopathy. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is a system out that most people are accustomed to where people are accustomed to being poisoned back to health. Well, in the more advanced stages of understandings of healing, you have to understand the metaphysical components. You have to understand the intelligence of the cell and understand that the body is an intelligence and that all forms of expression are based on the expression of intelligence, including disease. Disease is actually an expression of health, but it is not an expression of health that we are accustomed to. It is not a normal expression of health. It is intelligence expressing health in a more um, amplified and a more uh, advanced and in a more, um, uh, I guess, terse and aggressive manner. In in other words, it's heightened all of its activities in order to uh, clear the way or to clean the body, to bring it back to its normal state. But we equate that, based on Western thinking, as some form of attack. But in our discipline, we teach that any disease is created by the body as a result of the body doing its best to bring you back to health. So no disease ever marshals you to any kind of death or any kind of harmful state. Disease is the cessation of a harmful state. It is the way of getting you back from a harmful state. But uh, we add harmful things to that process, like drugs and herbs and things of that nature, and then impede the body's own intelligent function. Hmm. Well, I am respectfully learning in this whole area, so um, forgive me if I ask this question. Now, when it comes to metaphysics and it comes to understanding about holistic health, I understand the holistic health part, but tell me more about how metaphysics really can help you in your day-to-day life. Why is it so important that we pull this in? And, And why is it so hard for so many of our people not to get this? Well, most of our people are based right now in in faith, and um, uh, faith. And I don't, you know, I'm, this is no form of um, castigation, but faith essentially is a trust that one has based on a belief that whatever is being said makes you comfortable with with the words and the feelings that you have from the words that are said to you. Somebody tells you something and they give you a modicum of proof. Usually the proof is based upon how well they feel and what they say they have felt from it. You try it, and you've adopted that feeling, and it tends to be almost like the hundredth monkey situation. You tend to adopt a feeling. Mm. And uh, <clears throat> what essentially is, is metaphysics is the study of the causal plane that rather, rather than believe it, we talk, we teach one to understand and overstand it. 
Right. So when one when one comes into the knowledge of self, because on the ancient tombs or in in the ancient temples, you you hear with the word called "Know Thyself." Uh, it was written on the across the temples of Kemet. So if that's the case, then one studying oneself instead of just the physical, which just gives you the effects, we teach the metaphysical, which is beyond the effects, back to the realms of cause. So metaphysics is the study of the causal plane or the invisible realms where all things are perfected first before they become in uh, physical. So whatever is physical is an effect. We teach the invisible realms or the laws that, uh, that are working to bring about the physical effect. And when you, when you study that, you come to the understanding and understanding that all is mind. So essentially, the study of metaphysics is the study of the modus operandi of the universal creator. Wow. Some good stuff. Some good deep stuff. Now let's talk to Dr. Nilani for a moment. Um, and you've done some incredible work with, you know, all of your studies as well, holistic and metaphysics and just how you put everything together, even incorporating the Kabbalion to really heal yourself, and you talk about it in your Seven Steps to Healing and Wellness. You want to tell us about how that sort of came about for you. Oh, yes, thank you for the opportunity. It uh, really came about as a result of having gone through the healing process myself right? and in working with Dr. Valentine, Right. People because you actually had cancer as well. Weren't you yes. diagnosed with breast cancer? Yes, I was. Okay. In 1996, I was diagnosed with breast cancer, and three different doctors gave me the very same prognosis and said that um, really the only thing, only option that I had was a mastectomy with major surgery. And um, that's when... I met Dr. Valentine and was put on a program by him. He put me on a program to heal myself without the use of drugs, without the use of herbs, and with even very little use of vitamins. Mm. Um, And um, so after going through that process and uh, going back to school, I was already a nutritionist at the time, Right. But I was not a naturopath until afterwards, went back to school and became a naturopath and began practicing, and well, not really practicing as, a, <laughs> um, <laughs> as the medical profession would practice, but right. working and helping others to heal themselves, knowing that we are healers only of ourselves, mm. then... People began at just asking me, oh, "Why don't you? Why don't you write that? Why don't you write a book about that? Right. Why don't you tell that part of the story?" And um, loving the Kabbalion, upon first reading it, actually, it really spoke directly to my my spirit, and I became really attached to the Kabbalion, and it became something that I meditated on even subconsciously while going about my work, it just became obvious that that would be 
the seven steps. And actually, it was Dr. Valentine who said, well, since the Kabbalion is so dear to you, why don't you use that as a part of your book? And right. and that's, I decided to do that. Wow. And to work, in your opinion, being not only a, a, a doctor and not only being able to, you know, work to heal yourself and also help to heal others and, and, and share that very powerful testimony, but what is it, particularly when we talk about women, when we talk about women ourselves from our culture, what is it about us? Because so much, you know, so many of of us women have been diagnosed with breast cancer, ovarian cancer, you know, all of these things that really are plaguing us as a people. I mean, the last health card that we had, we failed tremendously from our children um, and to our men. What is the main thing or what is the one thing that we should really focus ourselves on, in your opinion? Oh, that's a doozy. Uh, the main thing, the one thing. I didn't know there was such a thing. <laughs> well, maybe it's not. So, but I so know we have to be asked all the time. But I, I, I understand what you mean. What is would be of the utmost importance? Right. And that is coming to know oneself. Mm, that's what I thought. That is the most important thing that I have learned coming to know oneself, and that in itself takes a lifetime. Right. But once you begin to accept who you are, know who you are, accept, as who, who, accept who you are, and then begin to listen to yourself. And even that can be misconstrued in today's society, because today's society, as we know, as you know, is a feminist society. Right. So many of the thoughts that one might think is coming from the self may not even be, and even that needs to be addressed, needs to be questioned, until you know that your thoughts are truly your thoughts and not the thoughts of someone whom you have you have been uh, listening to or someone whose experiences have been similar to yours and so you think that their thoughts are your thoughts. Mm. Uh, does that make sense to you? That makes a lot of sense. And I know that um, you and Dr. Phil Valentine both have done a lot of, um, um, I don't even know what to say, a lo- gave a lot of examples of this or, or did a lot of teachings on this in di- different workshops about, you know, our society that we live in and and how things are perceived, especially when it comes to masculine and feminine energy. Um, And so do you think, what do you think we need to do as women to really sort of help turn that around? We need to listen to our ancestors. We need to go back to the fact that we are one. We are one with our mates. We are one with our sons. We are one with our fathers as we are with our mothers. And stop the nonsense of the dichotomy of the separation. Hmm. Stop accepting as an excuse what society is handing us so that we can begin to 
as I said before, listen to ourselves, but also listen to each other. We really, at this point, have to look at our little boys as much as we're looking at our little girls. And come, and and we had better wake up and realize that if we continue going along with the status quo, they will continue to build schools for girls and jails mm. for boys. Wow. So beautiful and so powerful. That is um, so very, very true. And we are live in the remix, and we are speaking with Dr. Phil Valentine and Dr. Nailani Valentine. And so if you have a question or comment that you would like to ask, please feel free to give us a call at 646-652-2711. And so now this question is going to go to you, um, Dr. Valentine, Dr. Phil Valentine. And I tried to search for this book, but I found out I can actually get it on your website, um, The Wounded Womb. Yes. Yes. Um, very powerful book from what I can see and what I've heard. Um, tell me sort of what inspired you to, to write that. Uh, the book, the Wounded Womb has a very interesting history. It started back in the late 80s. And uh, during that time, uh, Queen Afu and I were doing uh, experimental programs on uh, wound healing. And we would conduct programs where we would uh, show women who had uh, fibroid tumors and cysts and, and all kinds of reproductive problems, how they may lessen their um, the intensities of their menstrual cycles and to bring themselves back into a lot more energy, a lot more health, uh, and to essentially show uh, that um, there is a way to self-heal when it comes to all of these uh, these uh, reproductive diseases that were afflicting women at that time, and during that time, I would I, pick, I put together uh, small booklets for the women who were participating in that program. Yeah. And as the years went on, uh, I began adding more and more, because about 85% of our clientele were women, and of the 85%, 90% had reproductive problems. So what I began to see was a pattern, and I began to equate the pattern with the the uh, indications that were given to us based upon what the woman was saying they were doing, the, the stressful living that they were going through there in school, and they had curricula to do. They had to up all night. They were doing this and running here, and a lot of them were into these sessions. And, and I was saying, you know, something was wrong with this. Uh, you know, I'm looking at all these women who, you know, chase success, uh, put themselves into this incredible amount of uh, this arena of stress-related activities, uh, was going through a lot of the uh, the feminist movement, was very much at its height at that time, uh, from out of the 70s going in through the 90s. It was an enormous surge, which is right now has capped off at this particular point uh, with an old, uh, very insidiously, has woven itself into every aspect of our society. And only when you begin to start decom, decom, um, uh, I guess what is it, decoding it and showing people what is really going on, they don't see it in front of their eyes. It's so insidiously insinuated itself into our society, into our matter-of-fact reality, that we don't even know that we are now a hive-minded society. Now, the reason why I'm saying that, because during the time it began to evolve, I began to start uh, putting it out there. Here's what could be going on. 
during the 80s, I said, this could be the problem. Here's the problem where it is. This is what women are doing that may be contributing to the problem. And over the time that the book grew from a few pages in the beginning of the end of the 80s, it went to about 150 pages, then it went to 350 pages in 1996, and then between 1996 and the year 2008 when I put it out again, it, it grew to 709 pages. And the reason it was growing that way was because the more I researched on everything that I had conjectured in the past, I began substantiating it with the references and with the scientific data to support everything that my metaphysical trainings had been giving to me. So the book grew in that manner in order for it to substantiate uh, the things that were not being told to our sisters because of what feminism had done with the information and because they had destroyed and essentially uh, undermined the feminine think, uh, thinking and feminine teachings about what it was to be a woman, to be a lady. Not to be equal, but to be a woman. Mm. And what had happened was I began to break down all of the metaphysics inside of what we were being herded into, the mindset we were being herded into. And so what it became is The Wounded Womb and the subtitle, uh, The Anatomy, Metaphysics, Politics, and Economics of Women's Diseases. So it grew into these categories, and I had to break them down so that our sisters could see the anatomy of women's diseases, the metaphysics of women's diseases, the politics of women's diseases, and the economics that this country actually lives off. Uh, women, women constitute 3 to $4 billion a year in health-related situ situations, 3 to $4 billion and rising. Most of the health care problems that we're seeing happening here is not only the men, it's the women. This is true. And the women are the ones that's now, that they're debating in Congress, and every time, every time we look at a new health bill coming out, it is for these lecherous uh, people in the FDA and in the pharmaceuticals who know that they could go into their back offices and create diseases around women's own paranoia about their bodies. And mm -hmm. in there... It speaks about the fact that women being that there are body-conscious entities, body-conscious spirits, they will always refer to the body first because the body will dictate to a woman's feelings or thinking and everything else. So the best way to make money and to maintain money is to make sure that women who are always seeking help for their bodies are always coming to doctors. So we always must have them at least categorize something that they can identify as a disease or some kind of imbalance. And the wounded womb exposes it. It is not something that's pretty. You, have to, you can't be weak of constitution, and you can't be prideful, and you can't be egotistical to read it because it is, it is, not, it is not about mollycoddling and saying that you're wonderful and this. No, no, no. Here's what you're doing wrong. <laughs> and it's what I call my, um, it's, called, it's, it's, uh, it's tough love. Tough love. And it's needed, and it's needed. Yes, I did. I did get to see a few of the inserts, and I, I, I definitely will be getting the book. We're going to talk now a little bit about your university um, because I think it's, it's wow, it's, it's, wow, it's incredible. The University of Commission Science, and so you founded the university. Um, what made you decide to do that? I know there was a need and a desire for people to learn more, but to take on starting a university? 
<laughs> yeah, it was an evolutionary process. It went from uh, the the Institute for um, of Arcane Sciences that I started in uh, in uh, in Brooklyn back at the time when it was myself, and the Institute for Arcane Sciences and uh, a couple of other things that had to do with advanced metaphysics and thinking. It grew. This was the next step that uh, Dr. Nalani and I said it's time for us to take this to a more sophisticated level because uh, the brothers and sisters who had seen the tapes that we've been putting out for so long, they're finally beginning to get the the language that that, that needed to translate that world, to give that world substance to our brothers and sisters because what we introduced into the population at that time could only be actually uh, given in the underground, what we call the metaphysical underground or the children of Mu, M-U. And from that place, it began to stir up because from there they went into the colleges and began to spread the word. And it, it, there's a jargon now, finally, an underground jargon that has caught on to our young people. It's getting into the rap community, into the hip-hop community. Right. And so we opened the university back in 2006 formally in January. And uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Jeffries called us uh, yeah. to ask us how um, how we did with it and what to do with it. We we were kind of the first university, uh, cyber university or digital university, uh, to teach around the world. We would have people in different time zones all speaking uh, through one filter of consciousness, and uh, we would be teaching the higher the higher metaphysics. First, we teach um, what is called metapsychology. Uh, we have three main subjects. We're going to be expanding again. Uh, metapsychology, naturopathy, and hygienic sciences, and... Uh, Dr. Nalani teaches the Medunetja. She's a master linguist. She wow. doesn't tell you that she's also a teacher of languages, that she also taught uh, in university uh, American Sign Language uh, in, New York, in New York University. So she speaks to the deaf. She knows how to talk eloquently to the deaf. I wish I knew how to use my hands the way she did. But uh, being who she is, uh, she mastered uh, the Medunetcha, and she teaches that as well. And she has a family. uh, Well, we have a family package where we teach the whole family because we don't just want to just teach adults. We want to teach the children. So we have family package as well. Yeah. Right. Beautiful. And it's on the website. And so for those of you out there listening, simply go to www.kemet.com. P-H-Y-S-I-C-S dot org. And That's Kemetaphysics, K-E-M-E-T-A-P-H-Y-S-I-C-S. Okay. <laughs> well, Did I say it right? No I, no, I didn't actually say it right. I'm actually reading a text someone put in the room, so let me make sure they have the correct, um, the correct website to go to. Um, and all of that information, the books, all of that, everything is there. Um, very exciting. And you can sign up for classes. Um, which I think is it, it just opens up a whole new world because you can do it online, and so um, you don't necessarily have to be present to do that, but you can actually do it from there, so that's beautiful. Okay, we're going to go ahead and open the phone lines now. So if you have a question, I see the phone lines are lit up now, so we will go start to take calls. Caller from area code 216, please tell us who you are and where you're calling from. You are live in the remix. Greetings, you're live in the remix. Caller from area code 216. 
Okay, perhaps they're listening. We'll give them a few minutes. It's a time delay. Caller from area code 312, you are live in the remix. Please tell us who you are and where you're calling from. Uh, good evening, everybody. Uh, this is Wellbone. <laughs> Greetings, <laughs> Brother <Blue> Wellbone. <laughs> Thank you so much for calling in. Did you have a question for the Valentines this evening? Yeah, I just love the Valentines. I just want to say that I appreciate the knowledge that you had dropped over the years. I watched a lot of your videos, and I heard a lot of my brothers and sisters speak of your knowledge. <clears throat> and so it's a pleasure this evening to be able to uh, uh, give you a call and ask some questions about your new book. And I like about what you were saying about on a metaphysical level, uh, lining it up with healing, because I know there's a lot of metaph- uh, metaphysicians out there that don't really have this knowledge. And uh, we talk about metaphysics all the time, but a lot of times we don't associate it with healing. And I, I'm glad that you got your book out there. I think that's a powerful thing. And I like the title of your book. And my question is, and also to your wife, since she's in the nutrition, how long would you think that the mainstream will allow this knowledge into the mainstream. In other words, we, if we're talking about nutrition, how long would you think it take before they would get a hold of this knowledge and use the knowledge? And what would be the hold back to that? Because when we talk about nutrition, we're talking about the, the mainstream, talking about obesity, children, this and that and the other, and they're writing these formulas and doing all kind of different things like that, you know. And it was like you're saying, they're so off the beaten path. Uh, of a black woman and also of a black man, but I do know that the black woman has taken such a, a dramatic hit in her health uh, when they can't really fix it. You know, they want to, you know, start you know using surgery and everything else. But um, on the level of this, um, we're talking about healing, but how long would you think it become mainstream? Because, like, right now I feel like we are on the ground right now, even though we we, <laughs> we overground, but I feel like we are on the ground because... Uh, the way that we have to spread our knowledge. Uh, you can answer my question. Yeah, yeah, the, um, good question. I believe that the health issue, and you mentioned obesity, uh, the obesity essentially is connected directly and specifically with the, with the society at large, the supportive society, what the parents have adopted of the society, uh, what we have allowed the televisions and uh, the commercial end, those who promote products, uh, quick fixes, the quick foods, quick eating, uh, specifically taking the mother out of the home, uh, which was the stabilizing factor in uh, in our dietary habits. Uh, I know it's, I know they had you know obese people when mother was home as well, but there is a there is a incursion of uh, all these different types of, of food elements and, and, and organizations now trying to to get in on the market when where it comes to food and, and fast foods and so forth. And it's a temperament. It is the whole society itself and what our society has now turned into, the indolence uh, that comes, uh, the fact that children are now indoors more than ever, uh, the video games, uh, the, the types of uh, keeping people inside where children were out. I remember when I was out for like 8 to 10 hours in the day. Once I was outside, and it comes Saturday, I was out early in the morning and I came back just before sunrise. I was running constantly, playing constantly. And uh, we don't have that anymore. Our children are too preoccupied uh, with uh, the technologies of the day and with our, our focus and our attentions. And uh, of, um, of of 
immediate satisfaction, immediate gratification, uh, sensory um, uh, overstimulation, and so forth. So um, what we have right now, as far as the people coming into the metaphysics and understanding metaphysical, uh, bringing that in, nutrition and so forth, to the mainstream, it's going to happen. It's going to happen as a result of people like yourselves constantly teaching the young people. If we don't start the young people to understand the language, uh, to, to let it become something that's theirs and they could understand it and incorporate it into everything that they do, talk to their friends that way, then it won't come out of the underground. Uh, but I don't think it was going to stay in the underground for long because now that everything that they've tried hasn't worked, they're going to have to come for a solution. And uh, I'll let uh, Dr. Nalani say a few words on that as well. Yes, um, in addition to what was just said, consider the fact that even as early as in 2000, 2002, 2003, the media even has begun to tell the story of the fact that uh, children are getting so-called adult-onset diabetes and um, heart conditions, uh, high cholesterol, the children at the ages of three now have the beginning stages of, of um, well, they have fatty deposits in their arteries, if you can believe that, at the age of three. Wow. And at, and at the age of 12, they 70% of children at the age of 12 have the beginning stages of hardening of the arteries. And so what you find, in addition to not being not exercising, even the food that they're eating, when you think you're eating vegetables. I mean, if you were to ask a high school child today or even elementary what their favorite vegetable is, they may say French fries. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, people think that those French fries are vegetables, um, and it may have started out as, as a starchy vegetable by but by the time you finish processing it, it has no value whatsoever. So um, to keep from going on and on and on, because this is something that is really um, heavily on my mind and that I've been lecturing on quite a bit lately, so I can run on into into the uh, into the morning talking about it, I'll stop there <laughs> because <laughs> it it can go on. There are reasons, but I will tell you this: the um, fruits and vegetables, raw, fresh, raw, organic fruits and vegetables are the mainstay of what helps us to create our own enzymes and our own vitamins and minerals, and we get so little of that. Mm. All right. Well, thank you so much. We're going to go ahead and take the next call. Caller from area code 301. You are live in the remix. Please tell us who you are and where you're calling from. Hey, your hotel is Chido. Uh, in vibration room. Uh, okay. Like to, yeah. Good evening. Uh, I'd like to know uh, if you, uh, the doctor's wife, can uh, uh, give some uh, advice on people that have asthma, what to eat, and the uh, the herbs to treat, and also someone that may have a whiplash or a cervical sprain. Are there any herbs to uh, to use uh, for that as well? And uh, I'll take the answer off, offline. Yeah, uh, very quickly, I, I couldn't speak to each person may have a 
a condition that is recognized across the board in everyone as quote-unquote asthma, but the mitigating circumstances that brings about that effect may be different to each person. They may have different environmental circumstances that trigger it, so I couldn't just tell you without knowing what your environmental circumstances are. But there are foundational things that you must or could do. Uh, one thing is to eliminate any kind of deep-fried foods, period. Uh, eliminate all dairy. Uh, minimize your intake of beef, and if you are taking any kind of flesh, I would suggest that you go back into or to focus in on uh, fish uh, and come back off of any of the poultry as well for a while or any kind of fried foods. Um, I would suggest that uh, you check to see the the level of dander and uh, if you have a carpet in your room or in your house, uh, if you sleep in your home during the winter times with all your windows closed, that's a definite no-no. Mm. Even though it doesn't matter how cold it gets. Why so? Uh, yeah, there there are many little things that it, that, that trigger that. Uh, but uh, in asthma, there is a necessity, of course, to have certain types of minerals, nutrient minerals, uh, foundational minerals that are missing from the body that cause the inflation or the, in, the inflammation uh, to happen. Um, usually, it's because it is mitigated by uh, a series of vaccinations very early into a child's life. Uh, they say that you could actually inherit it. But the inheritance is based upon the child being vaccinated like the mother or the father was vaccinated. And that just keeps uh, going on. It becomes, becomes a recidivistic type of ritual. Mm. So what, we, what you need to do from that point is to uh, eliminate. And, and when it comes to uh, such things as uh, the, the lungs, you have to check the bowels because the large intestines and the lungs are connected. Uh, the lungs the lungs become a repository for what the, the the colon and the bowels cannot eliminate so it the body throws it off in the form of mucus uh if it can't throw it off in the form of mucus then it uses the skin through perspiration so it's necessary for your skin to be at least brushed and cleared um you need to have a dry environment humid environments are very very uh, taxing for the lungs of someone who has uh, bronchial uh, inflammations. And um, just to make sure that the bowel stays clean, uh, exercising as well, trying to make sure that the uh, the plenum around the lungs, the, the muscular tissue around the lungs is expanded and stretched and has a lot of red blood cells going through it uh, as much as possible, and uh, you'll do all right. Uh, there's no such thing as an incurable disease, a disease that doctors say you have to keep taking drugs forever, uh, like diabetes and all that nonsense. That's a lot of nonsense. Uh, all diseases are simply indications of the body is trying to normalize itself, and it wants you to surrender to the process, not to do anything to uh, mitigate any kind of treatment. And I want to correct uh, certain wordings that we cannot use because they are actually... Um, copywritten by the medical establishment, the medical church. So we mm. don't treat. We can't treat. Uh, okay. We can only advise. And as far as your the sprain in the neck, um, that I will turn that over to Dr. Nalani because she is an expert. She is a uh, massage therapist. Uh, she is also a shiatsu master. Oh, wow. Um, well, there is something... Um, 
of course, one should really see a massage therapist. That would be the first thing that I would recommend, to see a licensed massage therapist who who deals with um, therapeutic massage, not just, well, any licensed massage therapist would, would deal with therapeutic massage, but some specialized right. therapeutic massage. But there are things you can do, even if, let's say, if the sprain is on the left side of the neck, then you would take your your hand and gently press on the right side and work the opposite muscle because muscles um they they call it the antagonist muscle so if you if your head is hurt if your neck is hurting on the left and you press your let's say you're pressing your hand against your right cheek and the right side of your head and pressing your head gently to the right, that's going to tighten the muscles on the right and relieve and release the muscles on the left. And there's a certain amount of breathing that goes along with that. But a massage therapist can tell you how you can do that and work it as um, as therapeutics. All Making right. sure that you're drinking lots of water, lots no of matter water. what. Yeah, I have a question for that, but I am going to get the caller. So, callers, thank you for calling in, and please hold the line. Caller from area code 347, you are live in the remix. Tell us who you are and where you're calling from. Greetings, Sister Blue. Uh, my name is Haru, and I'm calling from the Bronx, New York. Hetepu. I wanted to say what an honor and a pleasure to actually have an opportunity to listen to Phil Valentine and his queen, and I just wanted to ask um, Brother Valentine, I'm, I'm interested in research on time, and particularly from an astro-theological perspective, and I was wondering, I'm so, I've been so honored to be able to ask you this, is what is your take, or do you see any impact with now that the so-called scientists have negated the planet Pluto, and since they now say that Pluto is no longer considered a planet, does this in any way at all have an impact metaphysically on our interpretation of time? That's an excellent question. Sounds like one of the questions our students would bring up in the university. Uh, matter of fact, they did bring that up in the university. <laughs> um, it's interesting that that Pluto was decommissioned as a planet, and now it no longer has that status uh, because of what it represented. Uh, Pluto represented the subatomic. In other words, its influence was at our cellular level. So since we are now advancing into whole new uh, territories in outer space, our whole um, our whole vibration, our whole uh, frame of reference for time is changing. Uh, the scientists have decommissioned Pluto, but those of us who are the astro um, the astro theologians or what we call the ast- uh, the uh, yeah the astrosophic uh, adepts those who study uh, the astrosophic principles, we haven't decommissioned it. It's still as prevalent in our 
value because we deal in sidereal, uh, whereas these people are dealing in mundane. Uh, so you don't decommission something just because you have a perception, a perceptual change. Uh, you have to adapt the perception to where it is now and place Pluto in that perspective. Now, as far as time is concerned, time has now accelerated. What we are now picking up in the form of knowledge by way of light transferences or light downloads that we are picking up in our own uh, frame of of, uh, of DNA reference to reality. What we're picking up at this time is accelerated uh, by about a factor of five. So if we were to calibrate back about, say, 20,000 years ago, and we would say 20,000 years ago, it took our ancestors about a thousand years to pick up information that we now calibrate, disseminate, and assimilate within a week. What we are doing essentially is by our reference to information and our ability to assimilate it and put it proportionally into our reality matrix, we are in a more accelerated uh, spiral of perception, which means that time for us now has sped up. So we now are in a place where we're we're downloading information at a level uh at least for factor five, which is like a thousand times more than our ancestors had in a day or a thousand years. So with all of this information flooding at us, what are we now preparing ourselves to do? Because for to to be able to factor information like this, we have to have grown the physical so that the metaphysical and the physical now are one. They are harmonized, but we're not. So a lot of it is either passing over us, being picked up electronically, or being picked up and disseminated incorrectly into electronics, whereas we are now downgrading the the value of the physical uh, catching up with the spiritual, and we are using an intermediary of the mechanical so that the technical now is taking the place of the evolution that the physical is supposed to have been making. So we now are becoming more dependent on the technical, whereas we are supposed to be evolving our cellular structures to match what we are doing technologically, and we're not. Okay. Thank you very much. Right. You're quite Thank welcome. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I, I didn't get too far <laughs> afield. I'm so glad that I'm able to listen to the download so I can actually decipher it and, and, and build from it more. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And we'll, we'll be in, I'll be in New York on the 15th uh, <laughs> at the National Black Theater. Really? Great. Yes, and I'll be at the New York. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm, if I may, it's all right with you, Sister Oh, Blue. of course. Please share. Please uh, yes, share. I'll be there on the 14th at, uh, at Black Gold on, um, uh, I think it's on a 125th Street between Malcolm X and 5th at a place called the Black Gold, uh, second floor. I'll be there at uh, on, the, on the 14th, which is that Saturday at 6 p.m. till 9 and then the following day, on Sunday, I'll be around the corner at the National Black Theater on Fifth Avenue between 125th and 126th. That starts promptly at 3 o'clock, and it will be a major lecture. It's called uh, Obama and the New Old Order. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. Outstanding. I will yes. definitely look forward to seeing you there. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for calling Thank in. you, brother. Thank Caller you. from area code 216, you are live in the remix. Tell us who you are and where you're calling from. Caller from area code 216, you're live in the remix. Okay. They're not saying nothing, so we will go. Let me see the next caller. Caller from area code 216 as well, starting with the prefix of 650, you are live in the remix. Please tell us who you are and where you're calling from. Okay. We'll go back to the call lines in a minute. Okay, if you're calling in and you have a question or a comment, please hold the line. Just continue to call in or call back in, and we'll make sure that we get your call. Uh, we are speaking here live in the remix with Dr. Phil Valentine and Nelani Valentine from the University of Commission Science. Now, I have a question, and um, Dr. Valentine, and I want to know if you can elaborate on this for me. I heard you mention the word Obama. And that seems to be the topic on everybody's agenda these days, President Obama. From a metaphysical point of view, because I know you spoke on this, what do you think that really um, having President-elect President Obama as the President of the United States, what does that really symbolize? Well, it's, it's, it's symbolic only, and that's the problem. Right. And we have been, uh, we have been addicted to symbols. Mm. Rather than 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 um, cautious about substance, uh, we are a spiritual people, and and we are a very cayenne people. Uh, we're very easily excited, and what they have done is grown a cult of personality uh, to give us that kind of substanceless front. Um, I love the way the brother is. You know, his brother is is he has been created in the image and likeness of everything necessary to create a media star. True. Um, the brother looks good. He has an articulation to die for. That's what those were quotes. <laughs> and um, you know, he has a beautiful family. He yeah. he has the serious threads. He knows how to wear it. He is definitely a step up from Bush. You know, uh, uh, yeah, a complete leap, a complete leap, a hawk-sized leap from him. Uh, but, again, we have to look at the substance. We have, when the honeymoon is over and the work of the marriage begins, what is the substance of the man? And that's what we want to do. Um, I love the fact that the brother has made it, and there's some things about him that we have not yet known, we, we have not yet been told, and based on everything that I have discovered of his his past, and um, you know the uh, his uh, the church that he was in for the last twenty years, and the um, what is called the the uh, what is it Black Liberation Theology uh, that was uh, forwarded by Dr. James Cone, um, that in itself. If you understood what black liberation theology was, and to know that he was in a church based on black liberation theology for the last 30 years, that's something that you have to really factor in. Uh, and um, also, all of what it is that represents his upbringing and who he was, now that's part of what you have to factor in, what was kept right. off, media, um, off the media uh, radar. 
But there is also another aspect, who it was that was his mentor, the one that actually is his handler. And when you bring in names such as Zbigniew Brzezinski, you're bringing in all these Cold War puppeteers who are responsible for this, uh, this uh, growth of the CIA, uh, the kind of things that we're going to be seeing uh, that was during the Reagan years and during uh, the Carter administration and all these, uh, you know, like a friend of mine said that the Republicans, they're bullies. They pick on little people. You know, they go after Saddam, who they know they can beat. They go after, you know, these kind of people that uh, have these little little countries that they can go and bully. The Democrats are a little crazy. They'll go after the big boys. So the Democrats, you'll see, will go after Russia. So you'll notice the big Dubrzezinski himself, being from the Cold War, his whole agenda was to bring down the Great Bear, to destroy communism, go after it. So he's now repositioning all of his, you know, Obama was talking about bring the troops home, we're going to end the war, but he's just telling you, I'm just going to move everybody over to Afghanistan. And you'll find out that uh, the big new was always in uh, Afghanistan. And uh, it's going to be interesting over the next six months to see uh, what happens. And, um, you know, it's going, to be, it's going to be a trial. And they already warned you. Remember, he was warned. Uh, Biden warned you. Everybody warned you that he is going to be challenged. It isn't like they're telling you something that they're not going to do. They're yeah. letting you know. They let you know about 9/11. They let you know about 9/11 pre-9/11 when they had the first bombing of the World Trade Center, and they told you it was going to happen again. And now we just heard that uh, Cheney just said they're going to drop some kind of a bomb, atomic weapon, or some kind of um, um, uh, what is this um, uh, bioweapon. So he's giving you all these predictory uh, types of uh, uh, rhetoric and telling you what to expect. So uh, we in America are uh, in for some interesting times with Obama at the reins, and he is truly going to be tested, just like us. Just like us. Okay. Mm-hmm. We are live in the remix with Dr. <laughs> Phil Valentine himself and Dr. Nailani Valentine as well. And so for those of you who have a question, feel free to call in. And um, you know the number, 646-652-2711. We're going to continue on with the questions. I see that there is some questions going on in the chat room, and I will try to get your questions, but I would like for you guys to please call in so that you can ask the questions yourself. Now, the question I have for you is, and we'll talk about that because I know that the president is, is certainly a hot subject, but I want to talk some more about what can we do um, to really prepare ourselves for these tough tough times to come. Like you said, we've been warned. We know that. It, it's coming. But what can we do on a day-to-day basis in our home, with ourselves, with our families, to really start to prepare for these times? Well, the first things first, we have to learn to go minimal. And uh, our extravagant, what is it, is um, low-tech rules. Mm. Okay? Low-tech rules. Over the next year, low-tech. Don't let them get you sucked into the high-tech. That's the new monitoring system. So what you want to do is to go low-tech. I suggest that everybody get a ham radio. Um, uh, what do you call those? Um, oh, my goodness. Uh, not a CB the radio. Two-way, uh, the two-way radio? Two-way. Yeah. Uh, so that 
we, you know, you can always be in contact with somebody in the event anything shuts down. Uh, I suggest that you st- you start to deal with communities, uh, what we call not survival communities, but um, um, uh, what we call helpful communities. Uh, I, I suggest that, that each person, you know, be given the task of doing one thing. You get ten people doing one thing, and ten things get done uh, to the max. You can't have one person doing ten things. So if each person does one thing, you get ten people together, and you start coalitioning, and you and and they're going to actually have laws out now. They've written up um, executive orders that you can't store foods for more than two weeks amount of foods, or they'll come and confiscate it. Wow. Uh, they're coming after your guns. They're coming after. Uh, your water, all of these things we have to now be able to position in places that we can get to. Um, there has to be certain things like uh, uh, first aid kits, uh, herbal first aid kits. I'm supposed to be doing a, uh, a session in my university, uh, in our university, on uh, herbal first aid, uh, how to deal with herbal first aids, what to have in the event of uh, radiation what to have and uh, in the event of cuts and bruises and uh, insect bites, uh, poisoning, and so forth. Uh, so uh, there are little things that you could prepare yourself for. I would say get as many large, the largest glass bottles that you can and any of the waters that you're going to store, store only in glass and not in plastic, unless the plastic is a five-gauge plastic instead of the one- or two-gauge plastics, that poisonous plastic that they put the uh, water in at this mm-hmm. time. So it, it can go on for a long time. All the little right. things that you're doing is very difficult. Make warm clothing, uh, especially uh, for women, also boots, uh, gloves. If you can get gas masks. I know it sounds like it's, it's crazy, but you'll never know. Uh, always have certain things that you could uh, be ready with uh, in the event that you need to be up and going. Also have a, a bag packed. Right. Uh, raincoats, uh, uh, things that you could just strap on on your back and get going with. Right, and I remember when I lived in Europe when I was younger, and um, my father actually was doing some work over there, and we lived in Europe. This is before the wall came down, and that was one of the requirements that we had to do for evacuation. We always had to have a backpack, always had to have food on storage, you know, and that sort of reminded me of that sort of mindset that you always had to be prepared in the event that something could happen. And I think being here in America, sometimes we get so complacent you know, I heard you speak one time in a forum, and you said, you know, to make sure everyone keeps their passports, you know, valid, that you have a passport that's valid, even though that's not going to stop whether you can come right. in and out the country. But certainly in times when times are good, and if we should need to go somewhere else, we can. Right. And the thing is that there are many organizations right now that may not be up very much longer that you want to take advantage of, uh, organizations that you could do Googles on that have stored foods, foods that can be can, for families of two, four, six, and eight, and that go up for three months, four months, and so forth. So you may want to go ahead and consolidate uh, that. Uh, get up online and Google um, survival uh, for family of two uh, in times of, uh, uh, in uh, I don't know what, distress or disaster and so forth. So you may want to start doing that and, and, and again, uh, coming in together, getting with people of like mind and beginning to prepare 
to be able to help one another in the event. And whatever it is that you have the talent to do, some yeah. people have talents in electronics. Some people have talents in knowing how to create and make things, carpentry and so forth. You yeah. make sure that you begin to align yourself with people who have practical skills. Mm, very good. In everything, in anything, in electronics, in knowing how to, what do you call it? And some of our military brothers that are out there, you've gone through this. I mean, you know, I've I've had the privilege of being with a lot of brothers who came back, especially some brothers who befriended us from special forces, and they're telling us that they wouldn't mind helping and training people to be ready for such incidences. So they're out there. It's time for us to do that. Right. And, you know, you have some interesting takes. I heard you say some of the brothers coming back from the war. And, and, and you know, it's been a lot of talk and, and still a lot of talk, and I have my own thoughts about what the war was really about. A lot of people say it was about money, it was about um, gold, it was about oil. Um, but you had a very, very interesting take that you mentioned about what the war was really about. You want to share that? Uh, it depends because I had so many different takes. That okay, well, I'll give you a hint. It deals with water. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was talking about, uh, well, I was going to go there second or third. Okay. But uh, you're talking about blue gold. Yes, about the blue gold. There it is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, underneath uh, Iraq and Iran and areas uh, going up uh, through uh, northeastern Africa and uh, somewhere in north central and areas around the Mediterranean, uh, there are huge oceans of fresh water, ancient water, water that has not been tested, they call blue gold. And because the fresh water in our society has now become, uh, is now diminishing, and that they're actually uh, chipping away, uh, creating conditions uh, for the melting of the poles, uh, this so-called uh, warming, global warming, has been purposely done in order to create conditions where the poles would break up and that they would be actually where there are people selling gold, there are actually people now selling off ice as fresh water. In fact, mm. Japan uh, actually towed an iceberg back. Wow. So they're they're actually breaking up the poles in order to try to get the fresh water. And <clears throat> under Iraq, right now above Iraq, where the United States intends to stay forever and ever, uh, they have a, at least a 10 to 15 mile uh, in circumference uh, army base there that they intend to create another one in Afghanistan. And all of it they, with the semblance of trying to say that they're going to actually go for the oil reserves, but it's actually for the fresh water that they are finding under there. And, uh, again, everything is changing. We are going into a, a, uh, a polar shift. And uh, from what we were told about five years ago, uh, that the mad dash in order to tap into those blue-gold resources is because in the next something like 50 to 75 years uh, that the next polls may actually be Saudi Arabia. So everywhere that places are fighting and dying for right now, maybe right under ice. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Great, great information. Great to know. Now, I'm interested to know your take on this, and, and this deals with the African goddess. What is the importance of the goddess returning to her throne? Um, you know, you spoke about 
the new African vision. So what is the importance of the African goddess returning to her throne in reference to the development of the new African vision? Well, the new African vision is actually a um, a return of the sense of duality that we had, the understanding that even in language that there was a way to phrase reality in terms of gender. Right. We have become more neutered in our description of reality, which is completely against what our ancestors were about. There was a definite feminine and a definite masculine. Today that no longer applies because those who push the feminist agenda are not the people who are fronting the feminist agenda. They are those who wish to maintain a um, a structure of control where when you have the family, when you have what is called that central family, man, woman, child, right. what that does is sets up a sense of individual autonomous community. But when you take away the names, and this is what the women's conference in Beijing, China was, some of the proponents uh, uh, offered or at least presented at that at that conference was the elimination of distinctions when it came to the description of man and women and family and social, and social uh, mores. So in other words, they wanted to eliminate names and words like daughter, son, nephew, aunt. Wow. So these, this degenderization of our society is the way that you create a hive mind. And those who want the, to control the society so that you do not create answers for yourself, they have destroyed the education system, and by destroying the education system, they feminized it. In other words, feminized it in such a way that it became a communal participation uh, experience rather than a place to go and learn so that you can excel. So what they call outcome-based education was not about you being in competition to actually excel and grow the way males act. See, you can't teach a boy the way you teach a girl. In the fundamentals, yes. But when they come to a certain age and those hormones kick in, right. boys function based on competition. We don't function by holding hands and singing kumbaya. That ain't our style. <laughs> and that's why we left. That's why children, boys left the school to the tune of 60 to 70% across the nation. Wow. Because they feminized the curriculum, and because boys did not fit in and sit like little girls, they were they were now put on Ritalin. Mm. And they began to create these incredibly new, I mean, these diseases were coming out of nowhere. ADD, yes. DDBB, CC, wow. all these, yes. none of these things existed back when I was out. Right. And they existed because they needed to have a way to control the masculine. Why? Because the masculine is about change. We are the ones that argue for change. We are the ones that say, no, if that does not fit with what is supposed to be for family, we will go up against you, we will we'll arm ourselves, and we'll take you down. Mm. But when you give it to the, the society to the feminine principle, there is no change. There is adaptation. And, the, and nobody's seen that. Over the last 30 years, we have not had any movement and change since Malcolm, Martin, and Marcus. Mm -hmm. Once we had everybody now 
and this is the part that our sisters uh, are a little offended at. There is no change when it when uh, when you have uh, the, the the society run by women. It is a society dealt with adaptation. It is about cooperation, communalization, and adaptation to the circumstance. When you take the boy out or the man out of it, you have taken out the, the increment and the instrument of change. So we will not change as a society until our sisters step off of what it is that we as men are supposed to do and say, our man is supposed to be doing that. I'm not supposed to be there lifting no trains and pushing this kind of stuff because I can do it. I have been forced to do that. I've been forced because you have my man in jail or you have dysfunctioned him from the time he was seven years of age, so now I have to do this. And since he can't be a man and you're telling him that he isn't, that I'm the backbone, he doesn't have a backbone unless I'm his backbone, all of these things are what has programmed our young boys to fail. There is no manhood training anymore. There's about him acting like little girls in the schools, and he has to now leave the schools, and what does he do? He has formed gangs. Why is it that gangs over the last 30 years of feminism have risen a 1,000% in this country? Because that's where the boys went. They went to establish their own society like they would have had they have been given the chance to do it here. But this, this society, of course, is dysfunctional. It's one that is going to be the one he sees, because since he's in accepted, he's going to be an outlaw in that society. So all of what we're seeing here are what they have planned for the last 75 years since the establishment of the Federal Reserve System that destroyed the abilities for us to be able to change and to move in conjunction and in concert with the universe itself. And that's because Christianity and the Catholic Church and the Vatican has maintained this orthodoxy, this structure of thought, that unless we become like them, we are not going to heaven. So they will make sure that we come like them for our own good. And that way is to suppress all change or all kinds of progressive thought. Very, wow, some very powerful and good stuff. So I guess, and you, you sort of let into this, does the degeneralization also destroy spirituality? And I guess yes, you kind of answer that. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Because you see, what it now does is it, it leaves, you see, the thing about, and this is the other part of it, what we call spirituality uh, and its definition was articulated by men because we are the abstract thinkers. We are the ones who think in the right brain, not the feminine principle. The feminine principle, which is what they switched and made us believe the feminine principle thought in the right brain, no, it didn't work like that. The feminine principle's brain is a computer. It functions like a computer. It is given specific commands. It learns and it functions that way. It learns from what it is it is given to learn from. It is the men who go off into thinking about problem solving because if we don't solve your problem, we make sure that you make sure we keep hearing about it. So women are problem staters, men are problem solvers. So we have been removed from our abstract thinking capabilities. We have been removed from problem solving thinking in our schools. 
so that we could create the washing machine so you don't have to bang it on rocks anymore. So we could right. create it light. So we could create things that make your life comfortable. We don't do that anymore. We don't teach our children to problem solve because all those who are in the elite status say we will solve the problems because we are creating them so that we will maintain power. So we don't teach the masses, what we call the thousand-headed ass, how to solve its own problems. Right. You see. So you must dysfunction, and this is what the Romans did. The Romans dysfunctioned everyone they conquered by moving the women into the positions that the men had and moving the men into the army and sending them across the seas to be garrisoned in the places that they conquered. Hmm. Now, as a woman... And listen to you listen to you know what you just what you just said. A lot of it makes completely complete sense, and we can actually see it being played out day to day. Um, the question I would ask you to kind of go back to is to see how do we how do we stop this as women, as men, as people? How do we wow. stop this? That's a powerful question. The powerful question comes from our. It is actually we as men now. We have failed in actually getting getting a plan together to get us out of it. The men, I, I, I castigate men. I tell men every time when I am in front of men, I keep saying that we have failed. We have failed because we no longer want to bleed. We no longer want to get together. We no longer want to rally for a cause. We are too busy wondering about our shoes. Look at what happened to our children. The last two generations are so busy about the narcissistic needs Mm. about how they look and what they're supposed to look like, that they don't have any more substance. It's the next generation coming up, of course, who will now be the ones, because it's going to skip a generation. But uh, it's, going to, it's going to fall on our, on our queens once more. Why? Because they are the workforce. If we were, and this is why I say about, a, and they talk about a day of absence. I didn't say a day of absence. No, a week of absence. <clears throat> Are we ready to suffer as a people? I mean, we suffer based on what they dictate our suffering should be. How is it that we have not yet dictated our mode of suffering? If we were to pull the plug on everything as a collective body of peoples in this country and say no more participation with you the way Gandhi motivated his whole country, right? would you imagine what would happen? They would come on 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 red carpets to your door to beg you or they would come with their guns to round you up because now you're superfluous why is that because they will move the military in your children in to do what you're supposed to be doing every day at work and then they will have to find a way to get rid of you since you're surplus. And that's the problem today, because now electronically and technologically, they have machines that could do whatever 100 people can do. So what, what are we? We're surplus. So if, unless we have now uh, uh, this whole thing, the whole structure of our own incarceration, spiritual incarceration, physiological incarceration, cultural incarceration, okay. the whole structure runs on our participation in it. And if we do not participate, if we turn our TVs off, if we don't get caught up, just, that's one thing. Tell the people, our family out there, shut down every input that Big Brother and Big Sister has coming into your home. Shut down your television. Shut down your computer. 
shut down everything and have a book and, and one-to-one conversation with the people in your home. Sometimes you all sit around, you ain't going to know what to talk about because you're so busy being uh, confused as well as being um, distracted. This is the culture of distraction. If we can now sit and talk with one another, eat with one another, put aside even the forks and just start eating with our hands, just to do simple things, human things again, how much more would we connect with each other spiritually? And then like the hundredth monkey, someone else around the globe would pick that up. And someplace else down the block may pick that up. But if we were, and that's why our leaders, who are the so-called Sharptons and Jesse Jacksons, these members of the Boule, who work for the parasitic elite, these people would never tell you to do that anymore. They'll tell you to march. What's marching? You see, marching is just telling you, okay, we're angry with you. Uh, Please help us. That's what it is. You could be yelling and screaming. What you're doing is begging for help. But when you take power in your hands and cut the power, when you cut the power that you use that makes this machinery run, they have to listen to you then because even though you're suffering for water, for for food, for this, and you're sitting there not doing anything, Gandhi showed you when they stopped doing what they normally do, just stopped making salt, right. everything grind to a halt in India. Just salt. That's right. Could you imagine every subway system around this United States if we were to not go to work? No, no, no. See, and and this is not something that's new. This is old. This is old. They want to make sure that the, the leaders don't talk about this. But, again, I'm just spitting into the wind, and uh, I'm just a crazy voice. And, uh, no, you're not. Actually, you're not. And And I know there are so many people out there that appreciate the work um, and the knowledge and the information that you're bringing, myself included, and, 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 and countless others as well as um, Dr. Nelani as well, and, and all others who contribute to it. I mean, I think I can be a testimony of that um, because, you know, before coming into what I like to call enlightenment, if you will, um, it was so much that you don't see. And when you're looking at it, um, just when you're looking at it through the eyes that you've been trained to look, look at it, you don't really see things for what they really are. And so I think that's what really kind of attracted me to the whole metaphysics, you know, and understanding about who I was and, and, and where I come from. And these things that sort of been gifted and embedded in me is that it does open your eyes to something so different. And, and you said it. It's something so simple. So I guess the question, the question again, that sometimes I just find myself, frustrated with, and I know that that's brought on by failure, and I'm not a failure, but I feel that we've failed in that area because it's so simple, you know? I'm sure that there's hundreds of people listening to you right now that's listening to this broadcast right here on the remix, and so we can come together and we can hear this information, and Dr. Phil, I would like both of you guys to speak on this, and for me, the question that, that leaves me sometimes breathless is that you get this knowledge, you learn this knowledge, and I've... I've listened to, you know, countless of your videos and, 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 and in the process of getting some of your, your reading material and your books and things that you have out there. And then the question I ask myself now that I have this information from yourselves and others as well, what to do with it? Because I think yeah. so many times we sit back and we just, we become little Dr. Phil's. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And we want we want to say it, but when do we get to the part that we get to do the knowledge? You yeah. Know? Yeah, we see that's what they've done. They've taken the action out of it, and they've. This is this is what the Oprahs have done. They have made us become um, addicted to specialists, mm. and we have become. Yes. Oh, is that you? Yes, I'm here. I'm here. Okay. Um, <laughs> what has happened essentially is that we uh, we are a reading. Uh, instruction-seeking society rather than a doing society, and there again shows the feminization of our society. Uh, the, the women are seekers after information, and that's essentially what we've been turned into, what they call an information age. Right. So the women run the information age. So it's just about information now. The functional part of information is what the men supposed to be doing. It's men who essentially do things to solve problems so that we now turn those that information into knowledge. Or we turn that knowledge, actually. I'm sorry, it's the other way around. We turn what we have acquired from, uh, from abstract thinking to knowledge, and knowledge becomes information. So now information is all we have. There is no turning the information into action. And it's and the guess, men who are supposed to be right. turning the information into action. Right. And, well, what about women? Do you think we should turn it into action as well? Well, you see, that's the thing. Because you are essentially serving another master, not by choice, the actions that you would take to do that would have to be outside of what you are compelled to do, which essentially takes up at least eight hours of your day for the normal woman. Right. Eight hours of the normal day that you would have, the strongest times that you have to give your best energies, go into serving those who are maintaining your suppression. Mm. The hours that you have, hopefully if you have enough strength left to put into yourself, is something that you have to overwork to go out to find and do. So what we're supposed to do to build that type of uh, new world or new idea, the eight hours a day that we're taking to do this failed thing called we call society, Western civilization, which is coming down, crumbling, but we're there bailing it out with the water. That's what the job is. It's just bailing the, bailing the, the sinking ship. That's what eight, uh, the nine to five is, bailing the sinking ship that is Western civilization. So here you are, eight hours a day, bailing this ship that is, that is going to sink anyway. Meanwhile, you're getting exhausted, older before your time, doing something for someone who really is, he's already jumped ship. <laughs> and you're there trying to bail it, thinking he's still at, uh, you know, in charge. And, it, and right now, I know it sounds like I'm not giving you your, the answers that you need, but we have not yet um, de- uh, decoded the question. The, the problem is that we are static and overloaded with information. Let me give you a scenario. Mm-hmm. They had those who were those who were planning to maintain our repression had two choices, because two men came up with two different books about how to approach the suppression of a society. One was George Orwell, and he had uh, 1984. And in 1984, there was the the scenario where we would burn all the books, destroy all knowledge, and the only uh, input that you would have is a screen in your house, 
And that screen would be Big Brother telling you everything and you looking at you doing everything. Okay? Right. Then we had the other side, which was Adrian Huxley, which wrote The Brave New World. And instead, instead of burning all the books, he said, overload them with information. Until they were deluged with so much information, they didn't know what to do with all of it. Mm. And that's where we are today. So you can be repressed into a static society. Right. Or you can be overloaded, and that too is a form of repression. That's correct. And so how do we get the mayat, the balance? That's where it has to come in. This is where the metaphysics is to be able to decipher what it is that is in your mind that is impeding your ways to action. This is the problem today. Uh, our, our, our brothers in the nationalist movement, uh, they know what it is because essentially it's about the politics. We know exactly what they're about. This is what the enemy does, and blah, blah, blah. Right. But if you have people, as soon as you cut the head off, the people don't know what to do. Mm. Because the people have not yet been brought to a level where it does not matter who is in the lead. Because if you are not training, and this is what I teach a lot of people who come to particular positions, which is why it did not make me very popular with the circle of brothers and sisters that I was in back in the earlier days, especially the, what they call the old heads. If you are not training your student to be greater than yourself, then you have failed as a teacher. Right. Because if that, te if that young person is not to become greater than you, when it is time that he or she is to be living in the time that they are teachers, that means you have failed, and what you have done is you have crippled yourself if in the cycles of re-coming back, uh, what they call the, um, uh, what is that, reincarnation. Right. If you have left someone deficient of what you know you should have passed on, mm. then and you are And it's interesting deficient. you mentioned that about passing not only the information on, but the work on. Mm-hmm. Because exactly. I, I, I guess that's that's my whole thing, um, Dr. Phil. And I know we kind of went into this, so everyone out there listening, feel free. I see you guys chatting in all different forms. I just think that so much goes into, I know that the knowledge is important because you have to first understand, you know. Your wife mentioned that, and we, we all know that saying, know thyself, to work on knowing thyself. But I think it also comes to a point where you start to get this information and you start to receive it. And the question that I, I found myself asking as I was learning more is, now what? That's a question I ask to my, my, tell my children. Now what? What do I do with this? How is it going to help me to know and to understand what my ancestors knew? How is it going to help me to know and understand things about ancient Kemet and principles that happened thousands and thousands of years ago? how to do the work, how to put those principles into day-to-day -day applications to create the reality that we're in. Ah, you know? um, beautiful, my... because you see, when you start teaching your children about that, how to, not what to think, but how to right. think, then you have opened up the, the future that they are to inherit. What happens is you have given them a foresight and a leg up that makes them greater in the sense that uh, uh, if we are not um, freeing our children right. from whatever confines of ignorance that we've been in and that we've discovered that we were in, if we are not passing on that discovery, 
then we are stultifying ourselves and we are making our children's victims of tomorrow. So this is this is why, for instance, uh, people ask me, well, then what do we do to prepare? Like you said a few a few moments ago, what are we doing to prepare? Well, can you store food? Well, there's times you can store food, and if you don't have the proper medium to store them, then you will put food away and hopefully come back at a time of emergency. And it's what's wrong with it? It's no good. It's bad. It's gone. Well, I tell people, well, why don't you check out a product that is nothing but food? It's called Juice Plus. And they said, well, what is that? I said, it is fruits, vegetables, and grains. That's it. There's no vitamins. There's no fillers. None of that. You can store that forever. Mm. And it is a food. As a matter of fact, it doesn't have any FDA classification because it's a food. It's not a vitamin. So if you want to store that as part of the cachet, then that would be practical and efficient and beneficial healthfully to you and your children. Right. If you want to store water, could you store water? Yes, I would store water, but there are certain herbs, which I'm not going to talk about right now, that you could put, and there are certain things that you could put with those grains, certain herbs you could put with those grains, that those grains could keep as long as the ancient Chemites. They said they went into certain ancient Chemite, Chemetic tombs, and when they went in there, there were grains that were thousands of years old, and they could have still planted them. Right. You see, that's what I'm talking about. This is the kind of secrets that we impart and we teach children, again, what they don't teach in college and in schools anymore, how to think, how to be problem solvers, not to look for an authority right. to teach them how to think so that they can solve their own problems. Our children are essentially taught to be consumers, not just of goods and services, but services that come from this everyday life, their own psychology. They have right. to go to, I mean, they have 10,000 new categories. For, for therapists, and we're getting more and more stupid. This is true. You this see? True. So, Still reaching uh, for everything outside of ourselves. Still reaching yes. for everything outside of ourselves. Exactly. And I would like to turn some, I don't know, if my, my queen, she's just, oh, by the way, she's an exceptional uh, knitter. She knits and makes all kinds of blankets. Oh, how beautiful. Well, hold on a minute. <laughs> she has these. <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah, we have just gotten carried away. And callers, I see you. We will be taking your calls as well, so please hold the line. <laughs> Dr. Nailani? <laughs> yes, I was uh, busy listening. <laughs> okay. Well, wonderful. Feel free. Yes, certainly add to the conversation. I think it's important that we do hear, um, you know, all that you have to say and, you know, uh, both of you because it, it, it is just such a powerful combination, you two, and a beautiful example of the male and feminine energy together, you know, and really being doers. And, and, and I, I really, my heart goes out to you, and I have much respect for that. Um, you know, uh, that, that is just a beautiful thing. Dua, Dua, thank you. Um, I forgot the question. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, would you like for me to take a caller, and then I'm sure it will come back. That would be okay. <laughs> okay. Caller from area code 773, you are live in the remix. Please tell us who you are and where you're calling from. Peace. Can I be heard? Peace. Welcome to the forum. 
Welcome, Goddess Blue Raspberry. Um, <laughs> it's a blessing to um, be witness to your show tonight, my brother Phil Valentine, to the Mrs. Valentine. Um, it, it's an honor and a privilege. Um, to, to my brother Phil, um, you, you talked about the destruction or the downfall of the Western civilization. I was wondering if you can speak to um, the new um, presidency um, as it relates to the North American Union, the globalization that a lot of our people um, seem to ignore because we caught up in a sensationalism of having a black face in the White House, um, if you can kind of um, address that. Yeah, that uh, the North American Union, uh, which will most likely take effect with the distribution of the euro. I heard they shipped over $100 million in euro to China uh, December, uh, September, no, January, I think. So it's an official. Uh, we will be seeing the euro slowly inculcated into the monetary uh, flow, uh, I believe, sometime on or about April or May. I'm not sure, sometime around Hitler's birthday. Uh, the North American Union will uh, bring about enormous changes. Uh, we will no longer be distinct countries, uh, nationality and sovereignty will be a thing of the past. The Constitution itself will not be of any force or effect except as a, almost like a Bible. Uh, it will have hypothetical meanings in the statutory courts. We are going into an international court now that there are certain things that will be deemed crimes by the international community, and some of us will be tried in the United Nations or in a United Nations court from now on. Uh, we will be seeing uh, a massive influx of militaries from not only Canada and Mexico, but from China as well. Uh, China's military is already um, uh, bastioned over in California. China bought a part of uh, a... I believe they bought a dock or a, a naval yard there on uh, off of Los Angeles. Uh, so we are in for enormous changes in the country. Uh, there will be uh, foreign-speaking troops. Uh, they have already militarized the police force. That's why you're seeing such brutal tactics being implemented, especially when they kill that boy on the train, when that, that uh, right. animal... Right. A reptilian just pulled out his gun and executed that boy. Uh, this is the kind of things, the tactics that they brought back from Iraq. Uh, there will be a crash in the dollar. It's going to happen. Uh, Obama cannot uh, stop that. And they have the troops are here. Uh, they were already trained in crowd suppression uh, in Iraq with very, very sophisticated New Age weapons uh, of um, of crowd control. Hmm. Can I can I ask um, a vignette yes. to that? Yes, you sure can. Go ahead, Brother Tahuti. Okay. Um, speak, speaking about the crash of the American dollar, there, there's been much emphasis um, spoken about investing in gold and silver, more particularly for the African in America, the 
poor man's gold, the silver. Um, would, would you see this as a smart investment, seeing as though U.S. dollar is no longer backed by anything and it is imminent that it will indeed crash? That's a very good idea, very good question, brother. We do see that gold and silver, platinum, uh, these are going to be the stables uh, in the currency. That you cannot become more stable than the uh, than the gold that they uh, that gold is going to be. In fact, the problem, the reason why gold has gone up to over a thousand dollars, and if it's dropped back down to eight hundred as yet, uh, is because they are consolidating the gold in order to build the new temple in Jerusalem. The big fight may come uh, when they attack. Uh, There's going to be a global jihad, or there is predicted a global jihad, when they, uh, the Illuminists attack and destroy uh, the Temple at Al-Aqar, which is the Temple at the Mount, where uh, Muhammad has allegedly ascended into heaven. Uh, that's a big point of contention for both Judaism and Islam and Christianity. Uh, there is going to be some form of destructive, uh, I don't know, event that may lead to the destruction of the Temple Mount, which will then create a world war, which is what they're looking for. But in the end, what is what is the goal of the Knights Malter and the Knights Templar, the Knights Hospitaliers, coming out of the Vatican, is to rebuild the new Temple of Jerusalem, and all of the gold that you see that's gone missing from the United States is what they're going to be melting down to create that temple with. Mm. And the purpose of that temple will be what? This new golden temple. That's where the new pope with the head of the world, the new supposed quote-unquote uh, antichrist, um, which essentially Barack Obama is actually the first uh, elected president of the new world order. Hmm, the black face on the New World Order. Exactly. <laughs> so he is the first face for the New World Leadership. That's why all over the world <clears throat> you've seen them cheering, crying in tears in Korea, in Africa, in, mm. in Saudi Arabia, in, yeah. in China, everywhere. Why would I be standing up there with signs saying, uh, hooray for President Ng, you know? It doesn't make <laughs> right. any sense. Right. It is because he is now the new face of the New World Order. And uh, he's been handpicked uh, because nobody knows who he is. They don't know who his father is. They don't know who his mother is. All of what we're being given is lies. And I guess everybody knows that by now because he's not proven his uh, birth certificate, nothing. This man came out of nowhere and became president. You don't come out of nowhere, uh, out of Chicago, you don't come out. The only place they knew you was at the Democratic National Convention as a freshman senator. You just all of a sudden pop up. Nobody knows where you came from. There's no records of you anywhere, and you're the president of the United States. This has been a long time in the making. This was. This is all Illuminati. I mean, it, it, it's <laughs> it's classic. Yes, yes. And then you're related, Bush, and you're related to Cheney. <laughs> come on. And, and they're related to other prior presidents. It goes on and on. On and on. All 50, uh, pretty much all of the presidents were related in some way. Yes. Mm. To family. each other. That's right. All right. Okay. Thank you, thank you so much, Brother Tehuti, for calling in. By the way, that was Brother Tehuti that did the 
song <laughs> that we listened to earlier. Oh, that's rap. fantastic. I would like a copy of that, if I may. That was fantastic. We were wondering, what the, I thought I heard my name. I said, Did Yes, <laughs> what we do is what it's called. Thank you very much, David. I'm very, very flattered. Thank you so much. I think he's gone, but yes. Well, I'll definitely make sure that you do get a copy of that. Um, yeah, very uh, lots of interesting things, and we're, we're just about under 12 minutes here. And so for those of you out there, if you have a question, I know you're asking me a lot of questions in these different chat forms. I'd rather you call in if possible so that you can be heard and ask your questions directly. Give us a call at 646-652-2711. And so I will take it back over to Dr. Nailani. Did you get your uh, question or your comment you wanted to say? No. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. We're just hanging out. Lots of great information. I think this is a perfect time for everybody. If you have not taken a look at the University of Commission Sciences, you do need to do that. Lots of great classes over there if you're interested in taking yourself and elevating it to another level. Um, it's some great classes, and I love the fact that you can also incorporate the whole family uh, into this. When can you go to a university and take your child or take your loved one with you, your spouse, your husband, or whatever, or your wife? Um, I think it's a beautiful concept, and I think we all should support. So definitely uh, you need to go over to the website and sign up for those classes. So we'll have much more things to talk about, and we can bring the Valentines back with us um, here on the remix. So with just well, a I would minutes. like to give uh, an easier URL for okay, them. Okay, perfect. But we have we've also incorporated the UKS U as in United K as in Commission S as in Science. Okay. University of Commission Science. So it's UKS now N O W. Okay. dot org. dot org. Okay, I thought I'd seen something else. There you go. UKS. Now, N-O-W dot org. You can go there and find out all the information right there. So um, here's a question for you, Dr. Phil Valentine. I have a question. I have a question for you as well, Dr. Nailani. But, Dr. Phil Valentine, this is my question for you. Do you believe in the power of thought, that you can change your reality by the words that you say and the things that you think and believe? That's exactly what we teach. We teach the techniques the science of thought. Um, it's not a belief. Uh, belief comes uh, only after actual application in and returning proof from that which has been expressed or endeavored in. So it is not just a belief that's based upon words. We use that every day. Uh, in fact, we do that to teach people how to heal themselves. Yes, yes thought are tangible things. They are actually tangible things. And that's why we tell people, make sure that you're thinking your own thoughts and that your thoughts are not thinking you. There it is. I love that. Well, the reason I ask that question is so that we know that these situations that we see, these things that are about to happen, not things that we can't control, but the things that we have within our own reality, we have the power to really make that what we want it to be. That's correct. It's great. I mean, everything around us in our immediate circumstances, especially with those who we live with in our homes, we right. have little barriers. We need that six feet of separation, six degrees of 
separation, they call it. Right. Well, yes, we do. We must have that, but we must negotiate that space. We must know when to leave one alone, and we must know when someone needs us near. Uh, the human creature is a very, very particular animal, and we have our idiosyncrasies, and we look for people who understand, overstand, and understand those idiosyncrasies and can actually help us uh, to uh, blend better in this whole uh, menagerie of life. <clears throat> I say that our thought processes are the first places where we begin that process, and this is what we teach. We teach people to do inventories of their thinking and how they think from the time their feet hit that, that floor in the morning. That's right. They lift it off onto the bed at night. Have they done an inventory of their thoughts and what their thoughts have made them do to react both consciously and unconsciously? Right. So know that, and that's what we teach at our university, how to, uh, how to observe one's self and to observe how our thoughts actually control us and how our thoughts essentially become our masters and uh, our oppressors as well. Beautiful. I love that. I just needed to hear it from your mouth. I had a debate with some people about that, so I'm glad to know that that's what you <laughs> I'm glad to know that that was that was your response there. So thank you for sharing. With just seven minutes left to go, I'm going to turn it over to you, Dr. Nailani, and to leave our listeners and everyone out there with some of your lasting thoughts for us this evening um, un until we're able to have you grace us with your presence again. Well, one of the things that I would like to share is the importance of our health, the importance of being alert, uh, and being healthy. And it's easier than one would think. If we would go back to the basics and the simple, we would recognize that the food that has come from the ground, as, it, as, it, as it's written in my book, right. the closest your food is to being in its natural state, the better it is for you. And we cannot derive food out of plastic, mm. for instance, uh, sustenance, nutrition from plastic. I mean, that's obvious. But we take food and put it in a microwave, which, by the way, we don't even have in our home, mm. and turn the food, change the molecular structure to what it, something that the body cannot even recognize anymore and wonder why we are not healthy and strong. Uh, another thing is to run out and have um, okay. <laughs> the sound kind of interrupt me here. <laughs> That's okay. So he wants me to talk about my own book. So I will come back to that. Um, um, but in, in finishing that thought, um, juicing, Fresh, raw, organic vegetables is the best thing you can do as much as possible. I know it's expensive, um, yet it's important. I mean, when I go to the grocery store and I see that the produce has, has risen in price, I don't turn around and walk out and say, okay, we'll never eat again. Right. Um, but yet that's what people say when I, when, you know, when I say, for instance, to order the Juice Plus, which is something that we do. And by the way, that is something that we can use um, 
to go into that backpack, by the way, because it's dehydrated. Mm-hmm. Um, so to do something like that would be would be awesome. Um, okay, and the other thing um, is to remember that your children's children are you. Um, that is in my in the last chapter of my book when I speak about posterity. So it's about consciously choosing your agreement. It's about consciously flowing in peace, resonating higher vibration frequencies, maintaining equilibrium, and consciously creating your own karma. All of that together culminates to give you the genetic materials to have healthy bodies, to have healthy DNA, and to create healthy children. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you so very much. And Seven Steps to Healing and Wellness, that's a book by Dr. Nailani um, Valentine. I encourage you to go get it. I'm getting the book, so I will be reading it very soon and going through it. I will be getting back in touch with you. I would love to invite you to use my platform here whenever you see fit, whenever that invitation is to both of you. And so I can't thank you enough, and everybody is just echoing all over the world who's listening. Um, It was just an honor to have you guys speak with us here this evening and to come into, you know, the remix blues world here. Um, It's been an honor. And so, Dr. Phil Valentine, I'm going to turn it over to you for the last couple of minutes so you can leave us with some words as well. Well, I want to thank you, Sister Blue. Um, We were, this is one of the most comfortable sessions that we've had, Um, and we we do uh, interviews uh, all around the world. And uh, this is one of the most comfortable and uh, warm, and uh, I feel very, very good about this. And we'd be more than happy uh, to visit your uh, space again. Thank you for that. And uh, I just want to remind everyone that I'm going to be in New York. For those who are in New York or have friends in New York, uh, let them know I'll be there for Saturday and Sunday at uh, the – Saturday will be at the Gold. um, The Black and Gold. gold. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's on uh, 125th Street between uh, Black Gold Cultural Center, and it's on 125th Street between Malcolm X and 5th. And then on Saturday, for those of us who know that there's a landmark called the National Black Theater, it's on 5th Avenue between 125th and 126th Street. Also, for those of you who wish to join our university, uh, it's a late session right now, and uh, we have... uh, we're into uh, our fall, I mean our winter, and we'll be looking for those to sign up soon for our spring session. Uh, also, we do still give consultations. Uh, you can call us at area code 386-456-9279. And let me I repeat that, uh, area code 386-456-9279. And uh, you can also call us there if you wish or you're interested in the Juice Plus uh, because we recommend that very tacitly, though. We're not pushers. Uh, We would rather uh, let people inquire for themselves, but we would want people to really look into the product because we uh, ourselves found out that this product is the most tested product of all times. 
It means that even without the permission of the company, uh, organizations, universities have conducted tests on this product and have given it flying colors. And that's the only reason I'm using it, because I'm not a product pusher. But this is food. It is not a vitamin. It is food, which falls right in line with our hygienic principles of dealing with whole foods. So with that, I would like to thank uh, the family, the Blue family, and uh, Sister Blue's family for inviting us into uh, your space, your conscious space, and uh, we look forward to joining everyone again. That's right. Thank you so much. It's been an incredible, an incredible uh, two hours. I'm definitely going to go back and download the show. I would encourage everybody out there listening to do the same. Pass it on. You know, it's some good information. We'll have to go back and chop it up and go back um, and learn all the lessons that was here or shared with us this evening. Make sure you go to UKSNOW.org and you can find out all the information there. Sign up for classes, get the Juice Plus and everything there. So, well, I guess the time is up. Funny how time flies when you're in the remix. But, again, another incredible show. And thanks to everyone out there for sending your love and support and your positive energy because this was on my wish list to have Dr. Phil Valentine join us right here live in the remix. And so see the words that we speak to create our reality. And it also brings it back twofold. And so we were able to be blessed also by Dr. Nelani Valentine. And so for all of you out there listening, I'll see you back here next week, same time. You know, Friday, Friday Night Live right here in the remix. Have some great guests planned to come and grace us with their presence here on the remix. So you want to make sure that you stay in touch. Make sure you sign up for the feed so you'll always know what's going on. I want to give a big shout-out to everyone out there listening from my family at the Hedgehog Network. Much love and blessings to you. As well as, don't forget, on February the 14th, Brother Conscious Vibrations will be doing a show in the Mayotte Mind right here on Blog Talk Radio. It is a Valentine's Day show that you sure don't want to miss. Don't forget, if you're in the New York area and you would like to go see Dr. Phil Valentine live, he will be speaking at the Black and Gold Cultural Center, I believe. You can go back. You can look at the website. I'm sure you'll find it. And he'll also be at the National Black Theater right there in New York. So all my listeners out there in New York, I need you to come back and tell me what's going on. So for everyone out there, remember, if nothing else moves you, life will. Peace and blessings to you. Have a wonderful week.